0: Welcome to Optech Insights, where we talk operational excellence, the nerdy tech stuff that drives business, makes workforces effective, and keeps supply chains moving. It might not be sexy, but it sure as hell matters. Your host is Todd Greenwald, hockey coach by night and supply chain tech wizard by day. With guests and content from every industry, get ready for insights that could transform your operations. It's Optech Insights. Welcome to Optech Insights. This is your host, Todd. And today we're going to be exploring five things you should be considering when planning wireless networking in the warehouse operation. I am privileged to have the wireless guru and conjure himself, Mr. Andy Rehm. Uh, This space can be really tricky. It can cause productivity challenges. It can do all kinds of things when the network is not running at its optimum And Andy, I'm excited to have you on the show and share what you have to offer for folks to think about. So thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Todd. Happy to be here. And yeah, you kind of hit it on the head. It's, it is, uh, Wi-Fi is somewhat of a, I don't know, an art sometimes, even more so than a science. And we would all love it to be simple, but in these larger spaces, it becomes quite a, quite a challenge.
0: One thing around the warehouse space that is different is the physical space, the environment, the things that are going on in a warehouse. Though it seems like a big box, it's actually pretty challenging, right? I mean, there's a lot going on there. Can you help kind of give some some insights into that space and what that looks like in there?
1: One of the things that we hear more people talk about these days with tools that exist is, oh, can I just do a predictive survey? Can I just do the design on paper? And while that uh, is possible with the tools that, that we have access to, one of the challenges is it's kind of a garbage in, garbage out thing. You have to be pretty, really pretty critical about the information that you give the tool, and if you don't have that information accurate, it gets more challenging. And things like that are specifically are like attenuation. Like right? what what in your space can attenuate or affect the signal? Like having racks of with product on it. So we have customers that are just open floor space where they stack maybe one or two pallets high because it's kind of a quick in and out. Uh, cross dock scenario, but we also have customers that are doing more long-term storage. And it it does matter It's uh, if you've got brand flakes on one shelf versus uh, blocks of bulk cheese, right? That's very different. It has a lot to do with like the water content of the product, let's say.
0: And with those dynamics within the different product and the space itself from absorption to even things like reflective
1: services, like metals and other things, right? It's another issue, right? Reflections. Uh, and can create what we call multipath path uh, for the signal. And without client devices or APs that consider multi-path, you know, you can, you can have a significant challenge. Just think about the different types of walls that may exist uh, in a warehouse as well. And typically in an office space, we talk about drywall 90% of the time. Uh, warehouses can be anything from prefab concrete stand-up type uh, construction, or we have a lot of cold storage customers that uh, have freezers. Which is um, metal, old school, almost quantum style uh, warehouses in some cases. So just that alone is quite a diverse.
0: So the aspect of what's going on in the warehouses is key. If that's what you're saying. But the other part is well, then how do you how do you design for coverage? I know you've talked to me before about different types of antennas and how do you handle those complicated aisleways, maybe or open spaces or dynamic spaces. What kind of guidance can you give us on that?
1: Yeah. Well, so going back to our conversation about uh, different types of products on the racks, one thing that also affects performance is uh, stocking levels. And so if if you have things that attenuate the signal and varying stocking levels, you may need to consider a a design that puts the signal where you want it. And really you need the signal in the aisles. That's typically um, where you're doing scanning using your devices. And you don't want to necessarily rely on having maybe an omnidirectional antenna that has to penetrate uh, through product a couple aisles over to get to a client. Uh, so there are techniques. The trade-off is you need maybe more APs and specialized antennas, but you have a much more reliable and consistent uh, design that that isn't susceptible to varying stocking levels.
0: So if you want to call that beam almost down the aisle, it basically... What you're working towards is, you know, more reliable coverage.
1: Yeah. So you got free air, right? The signal is traveling in the free air and you're not worried. I mean, the only thing that would interrupt it is other forklift trucks and people and things, but that's generally not that significant. And so the signal kind of is always where you need it instead of worrying about, do I need to turn it up, do I need to turn it down based on stocking levels?
0: Well, and we kind of used to design for the heat map and getting it so it's covered across that entire warehouse floor, right? And it's green, it's kind of changed with some of the different technology and solutions that are out these days for networks. It's really been a lot of thrust towards capacity and working in that direction, right?
1: What we found is that as applications have changed over the years, I mean, the original applications we saw in the warehouse were the old school green screen telnet applications, right? Very, very low data um, transmission from the client device back to the WMS or or backend system, and that has evolved. I mean, while they still, while still customers use that today, or we have many customers using that today, there are newer applications. So, as you start to see uh, more robotics on the floor, or even like augmented reality, or turn by turn directions on the forklift to show you where to go to put product away, to guide the put away, that kind of thing that requires more. Uh, rendering uh, or data flowing back and forth in real time can definitely put an additional load on the network Uh, so just having coverage isn't so important as now having coverage and capacity
0: so even like VoIP uh, for voice uh, and communication out on the floor using the wireless network that that's also another component that's become more prevalent
1: roaming uh, is a critical aspect of a couple of these applications, but voice over IP would be a very, very mission critical application that that needs quick, smooth rolling. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get gaps in your in your conversation. Just because you're working hard on uh, the wireless infrastructure side, if your wired infrastructure can't support the added capacity that you're adding on the wireless side, it'll seem like you don't have the capacity that you need on the on the wireless side. So, if your partner's not asking you questions about what you plan to do with the network, what kinds of applications you're going to run, what kind of capacity you need. Then the other thing is, even if you're talking about, you know your capacity today, what do you think you'll be doing in three years or five years? Keeping in mind your refresh cycle, right? You probably won't uh, want to have to buy new APs less than three or five years at, at, a, at a at a clip. So uh, are you planning any major changes your application side that may take place in the next three to five years, then even if you don't need it today, you should be thinking about
0: that. So then there's the infrastructure and, and that component, but then there's the clients and what are those endpoints going to be ultimately?
1: One thing that's you know always a challenge is um, refreshing either clients or your infrastructure, the, the access points is, is not a, a low cost venture. And what you would definitely want to try to avoid is Getting into a situation where you're really behind the refresh cycle and you've got some kind of situation or scenario where you're going to need to upgrade both at the same time. One that I've seen recently, unfortunately, is really old client devices that maybe only have the ability to do like WP kind of security and not WPA2. But we have AP vendors that say, look, uh, we're not going to manufacture APs that support WEP or, or WEP anymore. It, it's deprecated and we consider it too risky to let our customers use that kind of security type. Oh. Challenge being then is that you would need to upgrade client devices that don't have or can't support WPA2 uh, at the same time, right? You'd be forced to, to do that. When we're dealing with older client devices, they may have uh, weaker radios. They may not have all the roaming advanced roaming protocols that exist, So it can't take advantage of some of those features that would come in the AP. So it's not that you would have to immediately upgrade in those cases, but it is something to consider trying to keep your devices maybe in a slightly opposite cycle. So if you're doing every three to five years for your APs, consider three to five years, but in the off years for your client devices as well.
0: On infrastructure, getting back to that, there's been so much change and progress going from Set it to forget it type of environments to you know controller based types environments and and some of the manufacturers nowadays I think they've really taken it to a whole nother level with different ways of going at controlling the network.
1: Yeah, so each major AP vendor has their own name for this or so own acronym. You may hear things like RMM or ARM or Smart RF. That's the concept of letting the APs and or the system decide what levels and power levels and channels to use. Those algorithms have come a long way. I kind of sit on both sides of the fence there. We talked earlier about varying stocking levels and how that um, may cause you to need to make adjustments. So if you have a a smart algorithm embedded in these devices that can do that, that, that can help. My guidance there or kind of caveat is that You need to give the algorithm some uh, parameters to work within or some constraints, not just maybe uh, open the device out of the box and let the default settings work. Uh, While they may be default settings for a large number of applications uh, that work, so the AP works well in many applications, it may not be the best uh, default settings for a warehouse environment. So, you know, there's some coaching there that probably needs to happen. And... Uh, a lot of that can be done after you've done the design and then put the, the product in place. But at the same time, the, the more you follow a design uh, methodology, like we talked about earlier, where you put the signal where you need it and you're not relying on going through the product to get the signal into other aisles, then you don't need that as great of uh, control or support or assistance from those kind of algorithms.
0: So the airspace is busy i mean there's a lot of lot of uh data flying around that you don't uh necessarily know about sometimes it may be neighbors but is the auto configuration like in the situation where maybe you have folks near you with another network but is the auto controller kind of help assist you with dealing with those scenarios
1: it can yeah so like a multi-tenant configuration where yeah your neighbor you share a wall with a neighbor and uh, you don't uh, necessarily have the ability to, to go and tell them what to do with their, their wireless network. And they may have taken it out of the box and it's doing crazy changing of channels and power levels all the time. So having at least the ability to react to that is better than not having that. right? Otherwise, you'd be uh, kind of chasing your tail um, day after day trying to adjust things to with your neighbor.
0: So with the algorithms, I mean, is there a way to look at that and how... You manage everything or how does it work? The
1: algorithms generally only get information from other APs, right? Each AP is listening to and hearing other APs. And if you think about typical design, your APs are at the ceiling level, which in a large warehouse can be 25 or 30 feet in the air or or away from the client devices. And so uh, generally that's a clear line of sight as well. Not a lot of stuff between APs, less product that high, right? So the AP may not, you know, even though it's using that information to make some decisions, that may not be as uh, insightful as understanding really what the, the client itself is seeing. And so that's just one thing to understand is that they're, they're somewhat limited in the information that they have to make decisions. And so you can maybe see how that wouldn't work the best. So with the APs and the
0: wireless radios in the APs, I mean, 5 gig versus 2.4
1: and what do you use? Yeah, 2.4 and 5 gig, uh, those are whether to use one or the other or both is uh, pretty highly debated.
0: So is 2.4 dead?
1: So I think uh, you ask five people, you'll get like 10 different answers. And first first thing is to answer your 2.4 question, is 2.4 dead? Uh, You know, 2.4... because of the nature of of the non-overlapping channels, and there only being three non-overlapping channels in North America, you are somewhat limited uh, in your selection of channels, and it gets congested, if you will. The irony is uh, 5 gigahertz is just about as old as 2.4, but when 802.11 prime, as they call it, came out, the first 802.11 standard, uh, 802.11a made was, was the next standard just a year or so later, I think, and it allows for... 5 gigahertz, But back at the time, we didn't really have that much congestion or need that much bandwidth or additional channels, which I'll, I'll explain in a minute. And so because it was more costly to produce both radios that did both 2.4 and 5, we ended up seeing or had devices that could work on 2.4 and 5. We ended up seeing you know a lot of people gravitate towards the 2.4. But then over time, it became more congested, more devices, consumer devices there needed to be a way to evolve. Sometimes uh, we talked earlier about capacity as well. One way to get more capacity is to put more APs in, this, in the same amount of space and to do that to keep them from uh, talking over each other or interfering with each other, we, you need different, a larger number of channels.
0: So with coverage and the differences in coverage between 5 gig versus 2.4, I think it's been said that 2.4 has greater coverage.
1: It gets a little bit confusing though. So let's talk uh, a little bit of audio, right? Um, as an example, um, if you hear a car uh, approaching you from, I don't know, a couple blocks away, and the, they've got their windows down and the music cranked up, you tend to usually hear the bass first, the lower frequencies. And so 2.4 gigahertz is a lower frequency than 5 gigahertz. So, similarly, just like with the, the audible frequencies, you have the same issue with the, the Wi Fi frequencies. You can, the, the 2.4 signal will propagate. Further at the same power level, right? It's attenuated less by the same materials. So there's always been this theory that you don't get as much coverage with five gig as you do two point four. The caveat there is you can adjust the power level somewhat, so you can try to line up those cells, if you will, to be about the same, as long as you don't uh, raise the level too high and have a power level mismatch with the clients. Uh, that's an, be an example where if you're the AP and I'm the client and you're screaming. And I'm whispering back. As I walk farther and farther from you, I can still hear you and I still try to talk back, but you can't hear me. And so that causes reach for highs and degrades the performance of the, the, the network. You have
0: certain devices that are going to be hanging off the 5 gig and they're critical, but you get into like IoT and all the different types of endpoints that can start connecting via wireless connections. And it starts to really start to morph into this complicated kind of environment uh, pretty quickly with stacking all these devices on top of each other.
1: Yeah. So we talk about 2.4 being dead. There's some philosophies that say uh, migrate some of your more critical, mission critical, or devices need reliability and coverage to the the 5 gig spectrum, and then maybe leave 2.4 open for these IoT devices. Um, IoT devices in general still try to make those people are making those very cost effective, especially if there are lots of sensors that they're trying to place throughout a warehouse. You're still seeing, even to this day, device, new devices that are only 2.4 capable. So we can't just ignore that if we want to still have support for those kinds of devices in our networks.
0: Well, there's quite a bit to be considering, obviously, then when you're planning for that wireless network in your warehouse, it's a complicated space. There's a lot going on and... I really appreciate you joining us today, Andy, to help give some of your insights and some of your perspectives about this.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. If you want to talk at a later date about some things in more detail, that'd be be a fun thing to do.
0: That'd be awesome, Andy. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Optech Insights. And uh, for everybody tuning in, thank you for listening in. And hopefully you had some good takeaways here. Stay tuned for some upcoming guests we have coming soon. Uh, really cool stuff. Thanks for tuning in to Optech Insights. This is your host, Todd Greenwald.